I'm Chris Martin, and you're listening to episode four of the Social Cues Podcast. I am your host this week, along with Jonathan Howe and Elizabeth Hindman, who's back since appearing on the first episode. We did not banish her to some far-off island. She, we welcome her back with open arms. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, everyone, and Elizabeth especially. Thank you. Hello. Yeah, she probably would have liked us to send her to an island. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That sounds true. like a pretty good deal. Vacation. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you definitely haven't been on vacation. I think the reason you haven't been with us is because you've been working so hard. <laughs> well, but she was on vacation, though. And actually oh, on an right. island. So. Wow. So yeah. we did banish you to an island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just uh, one in funny. Canada. Right. That was gorgeous with lakes oh. clear as you could possibly imagine. Yep. Wow. That's why I'd like to be in Canada during the summer. I'd rather be in Canada than in Tennessee during the summer. That's for sure. Yes. But I was telling my, I was telling Susie this morning, we're recording this on Friday, July 26th. And, uh, I was like, it can be 95 degrees and humid at three o'clock in the afternoon. If you give me these 60 degree mornings, like these 60 degree morning where it's like beautiful and I'm, and it's not 75 when I wake up, it's like amazing. I love it. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not complaining too much, but enough about the weather. This is not a weather podcast. First question, what's on your mind this week? What should be our expectation of privacy on social media? So the setup for this question, the kind of context for this question, then I'll restate the question, is FaceApp. So FaceApp like blew up uh, last week, shortly after we recorded the podcast. Otherwise, it probably would have made the podcast uh, because everyone started posting pictures of themselves, however many years older, I forget what it is. And, uh, you know, it became this viral thing because all these famous people were doing it. Um, and FaceApp then went under, underwent all this scrutiny because it's owned or founded by these Russian guys and uh, the terms of service are kind of sketch and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then there was, like any good social media conversation, there was backlash. And then there was backlash about the backlash. And it, it went around the social media cycle that everything does. And so there, there grew out of that a lot of conversations about privacy on social media and how much we're putting out there and um, what our expectations of privacy should be. And does anybody read terms of service or privacy policies? The answer to that one is easily no. But that made us want to talk about, I think Jonathan pitched this question and it was kind of on my mind too, uh, is what should be our expectation of privacy on social media? So I'll throw it out there. I'll give my thoughts in a minute, but I want to hear what you guys think first. What should be our expectation of privacy? I think our expectation of privacy on social media is pretty much summed up in one word, and that is none, because yeah. everything you put out there is, regardless of if you think it's a private message or what, number one, you don't own it, more than likely, because you're putting it on their platform, and therefore they own it now. And number two, everything can get public. I mean, we've seen everything from user data, uh, Facebook messages, Facebook accounts, credit card information, whatever it may be. I mean, you just have to, it's it's kind of a ticking time bomb on pretty much any site that there will be a security breach and user data released. And who knows, that's the other big question is like, they talk about these data breaches and people got into it. Like, it's not like, you know, that it was like the neighbor down the street that has your lawnmower or something like that. You know, you had a garage breach and somebody stole your lawnmower and they've got it down the street. I mean, this is like, you have no idea where this data is and where it's gone, and who's doing what with it, and whether it's good things, bad things, whatever it may be, but you had these privacy agreements like the one you're talking about with FaceApp where they basically own your images and anything that they can canvas off of your phone. So 
you know, I, I stayed away from it. And also, I, I do want Elizabeth's perspective on this because I'm sure she saw it. I saw a lot more guys doing this than I did women. So I wonder that's if there was a, a male that's female an interesting sociological thing on yeah. that. Yeah, I that's saw lots of women doing it. One of my friends started doing it, two pictures of the rest of us. And I was like, <laughs> I don't Lovely. know how I feel about that. Right. And then that was right when all the stuff was coming out about the security. It was before the backlash on the backlash. And so I was just like, I don't know who you're giving my photo to. Like, let's take a moment and pause. But um, I, she never did my photo. So I, I don't know what I'll look like when I'm 80. Um, I'm just going to leave that a mystery. But yeah, I saw I saw equally parts. But I did notice more women doing the one that like showed you as a younger person. I saw several of those, which some of those I could not tell like which was the which was the younger one and which was the now one because I was like I think it just like smooths out your face and people do that with apps anyway so I couldn't always tell yeah, yeah that face filter on on Instagram it just takes yeah, care of all like, the people problems people like oh face app yeah that's that's how I made my current profile picture right right yeah yeah I think it's something that I've always told people whenever I talk about social media I'm like the internet is permanent whether you delete it or not, and people can find these things. There's like a Google cache where we can find all of our old like Zanga blogs and MySpace pages. Like somehow if we had the intelligence to do it, we could find all of that stuff. So just remember that when you post things. But even like giving all these apps permission to look through our photos and everything, I think you just have to assume that if something like it's a possibility for your data to be breached somehow. Yeah. So I join a radio show bi-weekly in like the upper Midwest, like Minnesota. It's based in Minnesota and it's in like Wisconsin and stuff That's like that. That's basically Southern Canada, Chris. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and and so last week, uh, I was on last Friday. It's every other Friday. So I was on last Friday and FaceApp was a huge point of conversation naturally. I'm usually on there talking about social media, that kind of stuff. I was like, yes, I'm glad I have an outlet to talk about this because we couldn't fit it in the podcast last week due to time. And there are, I have so many thoughts about FaceApp and privacy, and I'll try to keep them as short as I can. First of all, too, as a sort of verbal reminder, I'd love to have – I haven't talked to him about this yet, and I know he listens, so uh, dad, if you're listening, I'd love to have my dad on this podcast sometime because he works in, like, data security um, and and information security and, like, consults with a bunch of companies on how to keep their information secure. And so I would love to have him talk about – like, talk with us about this sometime because he's in it every day helping – hospitals or state governments or stuff like that try to keep their data secure and, and he's in the weeds of this every day and understands the real gravity of it beyond just social media just like information online in general um but there are a few thoughts i have on face app and, and social privacy one i think 100 percent what jonathan said assume you have no privacy um though i don't think it's that's right like morally right like i don't think i think it's right for us to assume that nothing we do online is private but I think I do think social media platforms should be better about guaranteeing privacy. And Facebook has a long history of not doing that well and has committed. We'll see if actions follow words. They've committed that like the next phase of the company is going to be completely devoted to privacy. Um, I don't I don't I don't believe Facebook as far as I can throw them. Yeah, but I'll believe that when I see it, Chris. Exactly. Right. Because it's. It is diametrically opposed to their profitability, which we're going to yeah. talk about Facebook well, and profitability. Yeah, and that's what I was going to. That's what I was going to say. Whenever, whenever you start talking about privacy, you know, the reason that these things are free, 
and this is goes for any website, any free website. The reason it's free is because that's not the product. You are the product. You are the product. And I think I've said that on this podcast before. I definitely said it on the radio last week. But if you are using anything free, especially a social media platform or an app, free game, free anything, if it's free, you're the product. You are the product. That means that you're, what's that mean? It means you're, you're in from how you're using the app, the information that you're putting into the app is being sold to people. Now, Facebook adamantly says, we do not sell your data. And what the way, that's just a word game. What that means is they don't, like, let's say AT&T wants to run an ad on Facebook and they want to target, um, I'm, I'm 28, I'm a 28 year old man living in middle Tennessee. Uh, who's married and I have a dog. Let's say they want to target 28-year-old men who are married in Middle Tennessee and have a dog. And you have Verizon. Right, exactly, which I do. Um, let's say they want to target those people on Facebook. Facebook does not tell AT&T, hey, we have Chris Martin here who you should advertise to and like show me shows them my profile. No, that, they don't do that. So they don't sell my data. But what they do is they create... I would fit that profile. And so if AT&C said, we want to spend $5,000 a week to target people who are 28 years old, are on Verizon, have a dog, and live in the Middle Tennessee area, I would be a part of that group. And, and AT&T would, advertise, it would be advertising to me. And Facebook would be selling that data to AT&T. It's not like they're handing it over, but they're like leasing it. They're like providing access to it. Uh, like here, we know all this stuff about this person and these these 10,000 people you're going to reach with that ad. Uh, here, we'll, we'll lend it to you. We're not going to tell you their names. We're not going to tell you anything else that you haven't asked to know. But we're going to create an audience of people who fit that profile, and you're going to be able to deliver your advertisement specifically to them. And I think, like, that's okay. Like, I, I use Facebook ads through my work all the time um, and because they're really effective, and, and it helps create a good online experience, etc., but Facebook has not always been as upfront about that as I think they should be. So that's where I think, is it wrong that we shouldn't, it, is, it, um, is it right for us to assume we have no privacy? Yeah, I think we should assume we have no privacy. At the same time, I do think platforms should, be, should hold our data a little bit more closely. Um, and so one last thought on this, on FaceApp in, in, in specific. Everyone was freaking out about FaceApp, and I count myself among those who are the backlash of the backlash. Because, yeah, because yeah, you got apps, mad at me for being mad at FaceApp. Right, because FaceApp, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's terms of service. Because from screwing. the beginning, I was saying, all right, this is, you, know, you people are, this is totally sketch. This right, is which wrong. Which I agree, Watch which it. I should say, I agree with. And then 100%. you got mad at me for saying that on a social media platform that's doing the same kind of thing. So. Exactly. And, and so, like, the, so, like, FaceApp is sketch, and I don't think anybody should use it who doesn't want their face to show up in a stock photo somewhere down the road. Um, because I think people could just sell it and use it that way. Yeah, we so, won't have an 80-year-old Elizabeth selling you know, adult <laughs> diapers or something like that. Right. It's going to, like, I just am like, they're going to do, like, before and after photos with all this stuff, and you're going to show up on a billboard in New York City and be like, how did I, what? And it's going to be like, yeah, they actually just ended up, like, selling those pictures down the road. So anyway, yeah, there are all kinds of problems with Face App. But the idea that we should trust Face App any less than we trust Facebook because they were founded by Russians is a little ridiculous. Just like just because Facebook was founded by a disgruntled college kid in his dorm room at Harvard comparing 
hot girls to not hot girls and now is an American dude living in Silicon Valley and one of the richest men in the world doesn't mean we should trust him any more than a bunch of it's not like your face app pictures were going to a server in Vladimir Putin's mansion so it, I mean it's well, people just get so spooked by Russia that they're like oh Russia's going to have my face now they're going to like create a clone of a human being that's going to have my face or something like that it's like well Facebook's doing equally sketchy stuff with your data pretty regularly and they mishandle it all the time and we're going to talk about in a minute how they were just fined a record amount of money for doing just that so I think yeah, don't trust FaceApp, but also uh, don't trust Facebook. They're no more trustworthy than FaceApp. So that's all I have to say on that. You, you mentioned how you wouldn't use Facebook or FaceApp, but you, you still use Facebook. Right, so, exactly. Yeah, and so that's yeah, I'm showing the cognitive dissonance there. Like it's it's um, it's no more trustworthy, but I like it's like if I could go back and unring the bell, I probably wouldn't use Facebook like I do today. But it's like I'm already ingrained. I do definitely give Facebook less of my information and fewer of my pictures than I ever have. But it's not yeah. like I'm just like abandoning it. Completely. Well, but they still, and, and you took them off your phone too. So they can't even listen into your conversations and advertise to you like they do for right. me, which freaked me <laughs> right. out the other day. Yeah. Like again, I, when, when everything came out about the sketchy terms of service on iMessage and all that back in the day, not iMessage, uh, Facebook messenger, messenger back in yeah. the day, I was like, I'm getting all this stuff off my phone. Like, I'll, I'll still use Facebook. I'll still use whatever, but like it's it's not going to live on my phone like it did. So, all right. Well, we could talk. I could talk about that for a long time. But like I said, I'd love to get my dad on to talk about that because I think he has some really good insights. And even like we could have a helpful podcast on just like best ways to protect yourself uh, and that kind of a thing. Uh, we've already talked a little bit about Facebook and their sketchy privacy stuff, um, but Facebook's quarter two earnings of 2019 came out this week. Earnings and uh, active users and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to run through some. Uh, numbers that Facebook released, and then talk about their uh, FTC, the Federal Trade Commission fine that they just endured. So uh, earlier this week on Wednesday, I believe, Facebook announced their quarter two earnings and uh, user metrics. So here's just for uh, for your reference for uh, if you aren't aware of how successful Facebook is, these numbers may blow your mind. Um, Facebook's daily active users are 1.59 billion 1.5, that's about a seventh of the world's population, 1.59, maybe a sixth of the world's population, 1.59 billion monthly active users. Uh, and sorry, this is, I think this is Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp combined. I don't, I don't think it's just Facebook. Yeah, so all their uh, online properties. Correct, everything Facebook owns. Um, monthly active users, so daily, 1.59. Monthly, 2.41 billion active users. Wow, this is crazy. I didn't see this stat until I was just reading it on this report. Average revenue per user. So so kind of if you were paying for Facebook, how much would the average person like be paying for Facebook? $7.05. A day? That's per, per quarter maybe because they report their revenue by quarter. Okay, so two bucks a month. Um, that's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. So in order to get a paid version of Facebook where maybe you weren't served ads, you'd probably have to pay more than that. Because then that you'd be creating more money than you would be otherwise. Um, their revenue, this is the big one. The amount of money Facebook made in a quarter, one quarter, three months of the year, $16.9 billion with a B dollars. $16.9 billion <laughs> in revenue. I think I saw, I'm not looking at it here. I think I saw that their, their net profit was $2.3 billion. So they just, they, they put $2.3 billion in the bank. That's not bad. 
That's, no. a, that's a, decent, a decent day's work right there. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, not bad for a quarter. Yeah, uh, two. And then so they have a lot of so employees. Face, they do. So they do, and then, which is which is why they they apparently because they profited two point three billion, they cost about four point fourteen billion to run in the quarter. So, oh wow. Um. So yeah. So on top of that, Facebook was just issued a record fine by the Federal Trade Commission. Federal Trade Commission, as I understand, I'm not a lawyer, and I don't understand the government as well as I probably should, but the Federal Trade Commission is kind of a government watchdog organization, like looking over uh, uh, regulating businesses within the United States. Um, yeah, they're business they, regulations that every right. industry has, and if you violate those, you get fined because you aren't playing by the rules. And they exactly. didn't, and, and they so, got fined. Right. So Facebook was fined um, a record amount of money. It broke all kinds of records. I don't think it was the most anyone's ever been fined, but it was the most someone had ever been fined for a data, like a privacy issue. It was the most, I think, like a tech company had ever been fined. They broke all kinds of records. I don't, I, I wanted to look this up beforehand, but I didn't like the, the biggest fines in FTC history. If someone else wants to look that up while we're talking, it'd be, it'd be interesting to look at. Um, so I don't think it was the biggest one in, in Federal Trade Commission history, but it was the biggest one for this kind of thing. I think the second largest one for this was Google a few years ago got fined for like tracking users around the internet too closely, which they still do, but just maybe not as closely as they did. They got fined like a few hundred million dollars. Facebook was fined $5 billion by the Federal Trade Commission, which sounds like a lot of money. Like, and it is, I mean, it's, it's the biggest, it's the biggest fine anyone's ever been fined for something like that, $5 billion dollars. Uh, but then when you look at the fact that Facebook made $16.9 billion in a quarter, they're not exact. And they had, they had set aside $2 billion to pay for at least part of the FTC fine already. So it, they aren't exactly hurting due to the FTC fine. The, the reason they were fined was per, for privacy violations, for, for kind of gross mishandling of user data, primarily through the Cambridge Analytica scandal that came out a couple of years ago when user data was kind of accidentally given to a, a political search, like a, a think tank research thing uh, during the 2016 election, uh, Cambridge Analytica. So that was the primary reason behind it, though Facebook has had a number of privacy issues that would have warranted an FTC fine, a record FTC fine. The crazy thing, right. well, So ahead. Chris, it, it was a record fine in the data breach industry. Right. Mm -hmm. So like right. that, that kind of area, because... Volkswagen got hit with a $14.7 billion the fine thing? for um, emission standards. Oh, that's right. When they, uh, lied when they were lying about their emission standards. So they had a $14.7 billion one, but that was wow. in you know the automobile industry. So, But in data privacy and those kind of things, the $5 right. billion was 20 times greater than the largest that had ever been held uh, handed down. That's wild. So, so it's huge. But then when you look again at their money, it's kind of like, eh, it's not really that big, relatively speaking. What's, that's two quarters worth of like profits. Yeah. You think about it. I mean, sure. they made what, 2.4 or whatever you said. So you're yeah. looking at half a year's worth of profits. I mean, if somebody find me half a year worth of my, well, I guess profits would be a little different, but, but if you yeah, find sure. me half a year of my salary, I'd be in right. a world of hurt, you know? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's big. But the, the crazy thing, one, um, they also said that like Facebook, you have to put measures into place to have better privacy management. And I think they explicitly said, I, I might be thinking of this incorrectly, but I think they explicitly said that Zuckerberg himself cannot be the leader of privacy developments, which is like, yeah, 
probably smart thing. That, that's the uh, arsonist he, putting out the fire right. kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then the crazy thing, and this is the thing that was kind of annoying. And I had book, I've bookmarked an article about uh, like why didn't the FTC find them more? And I think the general, I didn't read the whole thing. I skimmed it. I think the gist is like they were afraid too much bigger of a fine would have had it like led to an appeal and then a legal fight that would have ended up poorly. Um, but the craziest thing about it is Facebook doesn't have to admit wrongdoing. So it's like a plea deal kind of like they have to pay $5 billion for something that they're allowed to say they didn't do, which is just like the craziest, like they're allowed to be like, yeah, like we don't have to own. They were basically told you don't have to own the privacy fault, but you do have to pay $5 billion for it. They're like, okay. (laughs) I just think that's so crazy. Like, like nobody, you know, as far as the record is concerned, they they don't have to own wrongdoing, but they do have to pay $5 billion for something that they, according to the record, didn't do. <laughs> so am I the only one wondering where this $5 billion is going? Yeah, that's interesting. It should go to school systems. <laughs> oh, you sound like a politician, Chris. <laughs> We're going to have yeah. the lottery. It's going to improve our schools. Right, exactly. All right. So anybody else? Elizabeth, you didn't say anything on that topic. Do you have anything to say about that or no? It was just a lot of math, and I'm not good at math. <laughs> so. They told me, me there would be no math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, I just think quarterly results from Facebook are always interesting to me because uh, it's interesting to see how the company is growing and uh, because it's the big, it, they drive social media like nobody else does. And so as much as I bemoan them a lot of the stuff that they've done, they're the biggest player to watch. So whenever they, I think it'll probably be kind of regular whenever they do a quarterly report, we'll probably have a little segment on, on the podcast just because like as Facebook goes, so goes everyone else. Um, and the FTC fine, I think, I don't think the FTC fine was planned to come out around when their quarterly earnings came out. I think it was just kind of a, a matter of timing, but it was interesting Choice to look at those things yeah. side by side. Elizabeth, speaking uh, of fines, I know you're an avid reader. What's your largest library book fine that you've ever had? Oh, gosh. Are you, are you a rule follower and never no, have any fines? No, I am a procrastinator, so I do return library books late. I think probably it was in college, and it was almost $10. So you had to pay all that before you graduate. You could graduate, you know? So you had to go pay a $10 library fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that wow. was what it was. Is It was around college because I was writing a, a major paper. And so I had to have the books like all semester. And I was just like, I'll just pay whatever I have to pay for this. So, yeah. yeah not quite $5 billion. No, not at all. That's funny. Cool. Well, if we don't have anything else to say, we can move to our second topic, which uh, is perhaps more interesting. Elizabeth's going to talk about this one. Elizabeth, what is it? So y'all know that Instagram has started rolling out a new update where they don't show likes, the number of likes on p- other people's posts. So you can still see the number of likes. And this on is your just own. a test, right? Like yes. this isn't happening everywhere. No. So they rolled it out in Canada first in April, and then they've started rolling it out in other countries. According to this article I found on The Verge, Canada seems to like it. So um, they like everything. Though. But, but right. how could they know? But how, but how could we know if they like it? Because they're hidden. It's not shown. Right, right, right. I saw an article too that where it showed like what it'll look like. And basically you can still see the thing where it says um, on the post like Jonathan Howell and four others or and others like this. It just doesn't tell you the number. So you can click on that. If you're looking at somebody else's post, you can click on that and see a list of all the people that have liked it. But you would have to sit there and count them yourself if you wanted to see how how many people had liked other people's stuff. 
So you can still see the numbers, of, the number of people that liked your Instagram post. You just can't see what the number that, of people that liked other people's Instagram posts. So what is interesting about this to me, so this is kind of a little bit old news because they started rolling it out in other countries like Australia and Germany, I think. Um, there was a few other countries where they started rolling it out. And But what's interesting is I recently got the new Twitter, twitter.com. I don't know if y'all's, y'all don't use twitter.com, but I do. And um, what's fascinating about this is right when Instagram is taking away likes, Twitter.com's update shows you them live. So you don't have to refresh the page in order to see if someone new has liked another person's post. It just like rolls, does a rolling um, ticker counter kind of. Yeah, real time type. Yeah, which is really fascinating to me that they're doing like almost the opposite of what Instagram is doing. And I was just wondering like how much, I did a little informal poll on my Instagram and asked how much people care about other people's likes. And really, like the funny thing is, is like the person that I know that responded that just off the top of my head, I think she has the most followers of anybody, said she doesn't care at all. Like she doesn't look at them. Um, But then some of the people that have a lot fewer followers said that they do look at them. They do really care about it. So it was just fascinating to me because I personally, how many likes a post has does not affect whether or not I like it. So no, I don't know if that affects y'all or not. I rarely notice the number of likes. It doesn't. I don't really use Instagram a whole lot, but um, but I think I think, and I want you to keep talking about this. But the uh, one random thought, just working with students as I do, I think it's maybe a bigger deal among people who are younger than us. I think so too. I think I've heard some other people talk about it, and they've talked about how it's probably a bigger deal for teenagers than it is for. Yeah like the average user. It's also a bigger deal for influencers, I think. Yep. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. But I think, um, I just Instagram think, influencers. Yeah. But the thing to me about the influencers is there are lots of things that we don't get numbers on. Like, I don't know how many, how many people watch everybody's stories and I don't know how many people like listen to everybody's podcasts, but I'm still like, if I'm um, in marketing, I can ask those people and they'll just tell me, you know, and you just have kind of have to have this level of trust. There are websites that you can go to, I know, to see like podcast stats and things like that. And I think that'll just happen with Instagram as well on the influencer end where it'll just be like, you could go to this website to see how many likes people are actually getting on their, on their posts, um, like a separate third party thing. But I do think for teenagers and, and probably a, a lot of women, honestly, it is a comparative issue they see that other people get a lot of likes and so they're comparing themselves yeah i think just like i said working with students and hearing them talk about it i think also there was a couple years ago gosh i think i was still living in my apartment at the time because it's like i remember where i was when i listened to this but i think i was like folding laundry in our apartment when we used to live in our apartment i was listening to this this american life episode where i think it was ira glass who hosts the podcast was talking to um some teenagers or maybe it was someone else who records with them, but was talking to some teenagers. I think it was a group of teenage girls about Instagram and um, the effects it has on them and like the, the, yeah. the role it plays in their social circles and girls just talking about, you know, spending 20 minutes taking the same selfie over and over to try to figure out which one's the best. And then 
posting it. And if it didn't get a certain number of likes within like a minute, they'd take it down Mm -hmm. for fear of how it would look to have a selfie posted without a certain number of likes in a very short period of time. Right. And, and not just for their own approval. Like it's not like, Oh, if this post doesn't have 30 likes in five minutes, I feel bad because I can see that. I think they were nervous of like other people seeing that that selfie doesn't have that this many likes in this amount of time and it just being like a social yeah um and i think that that specifically is the problem that instagram is trying to solve with this because you can't see other people's the number um but i i do wonder how much it'll really affect it i don't know because i don't because a lot of people are saying it's going to go like um shut down their engagement or cause their engagement to go down. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm mostly curious about is if people will not like something just because they cannot see that 400 other people liked it. Cause I don't, I don't feel like people use that as an economy of Instagram likes, but maybe they do. I don't know. Instagram is personally invested in having as much engagement on the platform as possible. So my bet is, if it is causing a decrease in engagement across the board, they will not continue rolling out right. the feature because I don't think now they say they're very concerned about mental health. And to some extent, I believe them more about that than I believe them about privacy because mm-hmm. um, they haven't routinely like done incredibly terrible things for mental health other than just existing. Um, but so they say they care about mental health and like making sure that people are having a positive experience on the platform as much as possible. So I, I I want to believe they care a lot and will do whatever they can to improve the mental health of users on Instagram. But at the same time, if they see, man, uh, hiding likes of other people's content has decreased engagement across the board by 10 or 15%, like I think- Oh, it'll I think be back in a hurry. Right. Yeah, they, I think they'd pump the brakes on it. Yeah. So I think if- so I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see if they continually, you know, they bring it to the U.S. is when is when we'll know for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris, that's episode five seventy three of This American Life called thank Status you. Status Update. Yes, yes, I remember so that please too. Please look that up and yeah, it was years ago, I think. Um, and yeah. look it up, and uh, it's it's a really troubling but super insightful yeah. listen from November of twenty fifteen. So right around Thanksgiving, around that time. Wow, so. that's like right when I got into my wreck. Crazy. Back oh golly. Day. Yeah, flipping the car in Kentucky. That's yeah, fun times. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I I totally agree with you that if if this has anything to do with user engagement going down, oh, it'll be back in a heartbeat, and it'll be yeah. like Twitter, like Elizabeth was saying, that it'll be even bigger. So yeah. And I know like the younger generations are not using Twitter as much, so I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that they're moving in the opposite direction. Is it something generational that? bothers generation z more than it bothers the other generations or is it something that's just the medium of words versus photos like i don't i don't know it was just curious to me that i saw the news about the instagram likes disappearing and then my twitter updated and now i'm getting in real time how many people are liking and retweeting stuff on twitter yeah it's like humble brag city there by Elizabeth because she's saying how many people are liking and retweeting her stuff. There. No, I said other people in my feed. Because of this, I went and looked at to see like what my most popular tweets were for mm-hmm. the last couple of months or whatever in Instagram posts. 
my most popular tweet was one about pancakes. Well, there so you go. That that's how I roll. <laughs> the uh, yeah, the Twitter has toyed with hiding likes as well. I, this is conjecture, so don't take this as gospel here. I think there are probably fewer mental health issues tied to Twitter than there are to Instagram. If yeah. I had to guess, because of the image-driven nature of Instagram and just the intensely personal, like I could post a tweet that like oh, I think this is a funny joke, and if not a lot of people like it, I don't get super offended. But if I post like a selfie that I want people to say I'm, yeah, I look I look good or whatever on Instagram, and people don't do it, then I'm going to feel a lot worse about myself. So I'm not saying that Twitter doesn't bring like mental health and, and emotional insecurities and that kind of stuff. I'm sure it does. But I, I feel like it's maybe a little less tied to self-worth and image than something like Instagram, which is just like so intensely personal. Agree. And with the younger generations using Instagram more yeah. in their more formative years, I guess. Yeah, I think I agree. Cool. Well, hey, let's move. Uh, this is going to be a short episode this week, I think. Let's move to uh, our final segment, which is uh, recommended follows for the week. So who has follows that they'd like to recommend? I've got one that I love. And it's it's the most insane thing ever but it's a instagram account uh called pimpa one p-i-m-p-a underscore w-a-n and it is nothing more than a lady who lives i think in indonesia that has a prairie dog as a pet that she makes clothes for and <laughs> oh she my dresses, word she dresses the prairie dog up in little dresses and it's a it's a female it's a girl prairie dog and um it's just pictures of this prairie dog that this lady hand makes her clothes for. And the prairie dog just sits there and she'll eat like a leaf or eat a, a whatever. A little carrot. A, a carrot. I'm looking at like it that. now and what's cracking me up are the accessories. Oh, oh, it's it's not just like, here's a little, I mean, it's like the whole kit and caboodle. I mean, like sometimes she'll have necklaces on. And, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's hilarious. Like this layered dresses, amazing. like an undercoat with a, you know, I mean, it's, it's hilarious. And just like, who does this? You know, I mean, this is, this wow. is like taking your dogs, you know, dog shirts and things like that. That's, it's like taking this to a whole nother level because this is stuff that she can't buy. And Elizabeth, if you keep scrolling, you'll see the closet that she's got. Oh, and no. like, there are hundreds of dresses probably that this oh lady has gosh, made for that. this, for this, uh, prairie dog. And it's just, it's just funny. It's just one of those things you scroll by every once in a while and, and shows up in your feed and you're like, I wasn't expecting to see a, a, a a prairie dog in a, oh a gingham dress, you know? Yeah. Oh, so it's just funny. That's so funny. A little bright spot in day. Yeah. <laughs> it's stuff like that. That's why I love following like joke, like comedians or like joke accounts on Twitter, just like random little pieces of comedy to pop up during my day. It's, it's amazing. Yes. Um, my recommended follow for the week is something that I came in this morning when we, when we started recording, I was like, Oh, I don't have a recommended follow. And then uh, Jonathan and, uh, Aaron Earl's a mutual friend of ours and I were texting in our group text that we kind of have going all the time last night. And uh, I think it was Earl shared us, shared with us a Twitter account called, uh, well, it's, it's at wiki, W-I-K-I underscore T-M-N-T. And the, like the name of the Twitter account is wiki titles singable to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song. So it has like every tweet and it, tweet, it tweets like once an hour. It looks yeah, like I'm looking crazy. at their Twitter. <laughs> How many tweets it must, they have. It's got to be a bot they have set up. Oh, yeah, it's something. a bot. It, you look in the, uh, the and, profile, it talks about that. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm very new to this. I actually don't even think I follow it yet. Uh, but I recommend you at least go check it out. So I'm looking at one from 
11 hours ago that San Diego Superchargers. And I'm thinking they need to make this like their theme song, but it's like, like they have like a, an image that has like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles logo, but just with the title of the Wikipedia page in the, in the font and stuff of the logo. And that has a link to the Wikipedia page. So it's like, you know, like San Diego Superchargers, you know, <laughs> and they keep going, you know, it's like, there are so many that are so funny. Um, and I, if you, if you, if you don't want to follow it cause it tweets once an hour, I understand, but at least go check it out. British journal of aesthetics. <laughs> there are just so many like random ones that are really, really good. The, the so best one I, was, was secrets of a Jewish mother. <laughs> and, and somebody wrote back, like replied back Hebrews in a half shell Torah power. Wow. So <laughs> continues it on. It's that is, that is my favorite so far that I've seen. Yeah. So they, uh, they, they kind of filled That's out great. the song. So there. I, I, uh, it's Pretty a funny amazing. little, it's on Twitter. Yeah, that um, Russell Senate office building. <laughs> They're just funny little things, similar to the similar to the guinea pig or the whatever dressing up. In it's it's a prairie dog. Not a uh, Elizabeth, pig. what's your follow? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Got my rodents <laughs> mixed up. Okay, so mine is uh, a, another podcast that I co-host um, because I forgot to mention it when I introduced myself on this podcast. But I co-host a podcast for Lifeway Women called Marked Podcast. And we just, we talk to um, speakers and authors, and then we also just have conversations together. And Mary Margaret West is my co-host. And we recently did one on Christian pop culture growing up, which was like one of our most popular episodes. Um, and it was just a, for fun. And we basically just talked about all the fun, fun and funny things that we encountered growing up in this Christian pop culture environment. And then um, we actually have one coming out soon um, on with Angie Elkins, who also has a podcast called Chatology, and we talk a lot about social media. So I just thought it would be good to mention it here. Um, you can follow that where our Twitter and all that is with Lifeway Women. So at Lifeway Women, we'll let you know when those new episodes are out. Cool. Sweet. Well, thanks, everyone, for your recommendations. Uh, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Social Cues Podcast. We're all on Twitter and plenty of other places you can find us there. Uh, we'll be back sometime soon, hopefully next week, with Episode 5 of the Social Cues Podcast. <laughs>